Hey friends, welcome to another episode and season 3 of the Adrian Tan Show. This is my podcast where I speak with folks that are having a great impact on what we call the future of work. Beyond just the enablers and vendors who are transforming this space, I will also be including intimate conversations with people who are navigating the future of work. They have successfully transitioned to their new careers and I hope to distill their ups and downs in this unstructured journey so that the rest of us can learn from their best practices. In this episode, we will be speaking with Felix and Felix is the co-founder and CEO of Skillio, an ad tech startup that helps youth build up future-ready skill sets that are attractive to employers. As a student entrepreneur, Felix started Skillio in his freshman year in university and has since helped the startup grow 11x in average recurring revenue and 14x increase in user base. He's very passionate about the space of youth development and education. As a lead trainer at Reactor School, a leading provider of entrepreneurship education to youth from 13 to 24, Felix has actually clocked over 300 training hours, equipping youth in Southeast Asia with entrepreneurship skills. And with that, Felix, welcome to the show. Hey Adrian, thanks for having me. In your own words, what Skillio is all about and what actually motivated you to get involved in it? Yeah, so um, Skillio is basically a Gen Z focused uh, campus skill space hiring platform. What we do is to help actually um, tertiary students that are in the Gen Z age range uh, to get hired for their skills. Um, instead of looking at traditional proxies like, you know, resumes or academic grades or your GPA, uh, we look at work samples, certifications that done to actually help students demonstrate skills that employers are looking for and for that be hired for that. I guess for me, why I started this was because uh, purely because I, I faced the problem myself. Uh, as a student in, in NUS, um, especially in year one with not much you know work experience, it's often very hard to actually get internships or get noticed by them. And I think that was the motivation for me to see how can we actually help you know, students with, you know, little experience, but actually a lot of different things that they do outside of school, in school, to actually help them be better placed and better ready for the workforce. I guess what a lot of employers have been doing is to hire based on your academic pedigree, mm -hmm. the degree that you got, the university that the degree was issued from, can help us to understand why has companies for the longest time used degree as a pre-qualifying criteria? Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of times, uh, I think especially in the earlier age, um, when you are actually looking at university degree or like an academic qualification, it sorts of become like a proxy for going through a certain kind of experience. So if you were to go through a four years of, you know, a university degree, that you will be going through certain kind of uh, a curriculum, you'll be going through some kind of a rigor, some kind of stress. And if you sort of emerge from that kind of four-year process, you are sort of certified to be a certain standard. And I think as university degrees and qualifications become more common, it became every company is looking for some form of degree or some form of qualifications to shortcut the process of them having to do some form of pre-screening. Uh, so in that case, it became, it became that, oh, this idea of degree inflation, right? Every single job, even the, the, the kind of job posting that don't really require degrees have basic requirement of, you know, a degree or bachelor that becomes uh, where everybody starts to chase and just to get a basic degree. So I think in that the intention has been to pre-screen find people with the basic skills for the job, but everybody has just been tagging on to the idea of degree as a proxy, as a assumed qualities that if you are to finish this program or you want to get this certification, uh, it means that you are sort of qualified. By moving towards a skill-based hiring method, what are some of the top benefits that a company can actually stand to enjoy from? Yeah, so actually skills-based hiring is a very uh, new trend that's 
picking up, especially in, in, in the recent times when we are, a lot of companies are facing talent shortages and there's this idea of getting in the world for talent. And the idea of skills-based hiring is really to look at just um, pre-screening and identifying basic skills and, and job tasks uh, that allow somebody to thrive in that role. So if you are looking for a digital marketer, um, you know, and you need this person to maybe write up good copywriting and maybe know how to do SEO, uh, you're basically looking for people uh, that have demonstrated these skills before. And the benefits of doing so is that it really helps you to open up your initially, if, if, if that job posting will have a minimum criteria or actually a bachelor's degree, someone who have maybe have done digital marketing or done copywriting before, maybe as part of like a volunteering project that or she does, or maybe this particular um, candidate didn't go to university to get degree, but can do those skills that, um, you know, uh, that you require. Those kind of candidates tend to be screened out uh, because of certain qualifications or certain kind of in the beginning. So with, you know, skill space hiring, your talent pool immediately increases. You also, at the same time, increase diversity in your organization by looking beyond academic uh, qualifications as the first barrier or the first step. So that really helps to drive, you know, uh, um, diversity as well as increased talent pool. So I think uh, we we did work with a few SMEs who were saying that, oh, and my workforce is aging and a lot of uh, mature workers in my company. And because looking at a skill space approach that we, we helped them with, they were able to tap onto year one and year two students who are really very big on TikTok and they came in to basically help them uh, to refresh a little bit of their, their branding. All of these students don't really, are still just got into university uh, they don't really have much experience, but they have some form of related experience in their own personal life. And that sort of translates into how it benefits the company. When it comes to skills-based hiring, is it something that is only unique to Gen Z or is it something that actually cuts across? Yeah, I think it's definitely something that cuts across before, uh, you know, different age group. I think if we look at PMATs or mid-career workers, uh, they do bring with them a lot of experiences, a lot of, you know, skill sets that they have accumulated over their working experience. Why I think for us, we are, very much specifically focused on Gen Z's is really the fact that for students that are, you know, just coming into, you know, about to enter the workforce, if I can put it that way, um, they tend to lack, you know, formal work experience and the pain point is much, much more frustrating for them because they're like, oh, I want to get an internship. I want to get my first, you know, full-time job. Maybe I didn't have the kind of good colleagues in academic, my academic achievements. And that sort of already screened them out the whole process. So I think um, for us, the whole reason for focusing on Gen Z is really, you know, uh, solving that pain point. But I think it definitely cuts across different kind of uh, working population in the workforce. For you to use skills-based hiring for a software developer, that one quite easy. Mm. I need CSS, Java. Okay, la, just showcase to me. But what about jobs that might be a bit a bit less direct or straightforward, say mm -hmm. customer service, secretarial work, administration, HR, for instance, is uh, would skills-based hiring be appropriate for those kind of not so straightforward or maybe what we call as corporate support functions? Yeah, I think definitely. I think at the end of the day, why software engineering roles are much easier to convert into a skills-based kind of format is really because there's a certain set of tasks or repeatable tasks that this set of job role requires. And I think similarly, if we can apply that same concept across to say different job functions, say within HR, let's say, for example, a talent acquisition associate, right, uh, has to do task one, task two, task three. And I think the problem with how we are actually expressing JDs today or job description today is that it is very lengthy. It, it, it is not focused on the job task itself. And if we can take that kind of job task kind of um, lens to look at 
creating and crafting you know, our job description that will allow us to understand the kind of skill sets that each role requires. So I definitely think that this is something that is definitely applicable and, and, and possible to actually apply onto different kinds of job, job roles as long as we're able to articulate what kind of tasks this particular person has to do. What are some of the observations that you have made across this demographic in terms of how different they are compared to the millennials, compared to the Gen X or the baby boomers? And how would that affect how companies may want to reach out to them more effectively? Yeah, so I think the Gen Zs is probably a very interesting kind of generation that's going to the workplace. So I think for the listeners, Gen Zs are usually defined as you know, people that are born, people that are born between 1997 to 2015. And the earliest Gen Zs are probably like two years into the workforce already. And the bulk of them are about to enter the workforce. So by 2030, you know, it's estimated that you know, Gen Zs will form up about 25% of the entire working population. So I think a lot of HR are thinking about how do we deal with this new bunch of <laughs> that are coming in and what's the unique characteristics of this. And I think for us, uh, what we have sort of noticed, especially um, among Gen Zs, is the fact that most of them are actually uh, very much focused on the idea of diversity, the idea of equity, right? So how can I be treated fairly? How, how do I, uh, you know, have understand that the company's values align with? So they they tend to vote with their actions. So they maybe they may not have a lot of money, but they tend to vote their actions. And, and some of these actions, maybe in the more recruitment sense could be the fact that oh they chose not to apply to certain companies because it doesn't align with their own moral values um and and that's sort of a new kind of understanding that recruiters have to understand in terms of attracting some of these agency talents another kind of interesting observation that we saw was the fact that they are actually very much the reason why they change jobs or change kind of internships or kind of find different internships is really the fact that uh, they want to build skills so they're very focus on personal and skills development uh, when they are trying to, when they are switching a career or when they are trying to find out for new opportunities. Uh, and and in, that, in that sense, uh, what we realized is that students, Gen Z talents themselves would gain a better appreciation if they know the kind of skills that they need before they, the kind of skills that they will be developing through a certain kind of role. And in fact, you know, this is with the, uh, you know, World Economic Forum's report about, you know, Southeast Asian uh, Gen Zs, right? about why they actually uh, changed job. And one of the key reasons is really to pick up new skills. And I think that sort of throws up another question for us to think about how to actually um, engage and attract you know, Gen Zs in terms of looking at skills as a way to hire, as a skills as a way to attract and brand and do employer branding, for instance. And yeah, which is a very interesting phenomenon that we are seeing. So with all that said, where does Skillio fit into this whole ecosystem? Because when you talk about skills-based hiring, it seems to me, oh, okay, I just uh, take away degree required and that seems to just work <laughs> magic. But I'm sure there are a lot more as what you just mentioned when it comes to employer branding, etc. For, for Skillio, what we do is that we basically help recruiters that are looking to hire Gen Z convert their job posting into a skills-based job posting. So what we do is that from their JD or job description, their traditional job description, we actually pick up skill sets that this job requires. And in that case, uh, we actually post whatever they have into our skills-based job board. And this and our Gen Z users can actually come on to that. So unlike your usual job board where you, you know, submit a resume and all that kind of thing, uh, we basically allow the candidates to upload work samples that's related to that skills. So for example, if KPMG were to hire for, you know, a digital marketing intern, uh, 
Um, and, and this digital marketing intern requires things like copywriting, requires maybe TikTok creation, video creation. As part of the application process, they can actually upload the copywriting work that they have done before. This could be, you know, part of a school module. It could be part of, you know, their previous internship or volunteering experience. Uh, they can even upload their own TikTok account, you know, uh, as part of the second um, skill set. Um, and, and that essentially help recruiters um, to already understand the kind of basic skills that this candidate have on application. And hopefully that sort of changed the whole paradigm away from just, you know, looking at whether you, whether are you coming from a marketing degree or, you know, a degree that actually have marketing specialization, uh, because that, that opens up, you know, an entire uh, pipeline of, of candidates that uh, an organization can select. So maybe just an example, we actually work with this company called Augmentus in Singapore. So they're actually a AI robotics initially because uh, when they were still in an early stage, uh, dependent on a lot of uh, uh, software engineers. And we basically use, they use, use Scalio as the way to basically reach out to this Gen Z population that we actually have. And they were able to quickly identify based on the basic kind of like work samples that they have submitted. And so this sort of helped them to cut down their whole pre-screening time. And some of them, you know, eventually converted into full time uh, with them as well. So we do see that there are benefits in skills-based hiring. And I think um, at the end of the day, it, it does take a bit of mindset shift for organizations to start recognizing, you know, this form of hiring method. How, how do you try to provide and differentiate any form of values or the, the kind of meaning that they're looking at? Am I asking this because over the past couple of years when COVID has struck, we are talking about the great resignation, people looking at meaning, looking at mental wellness. Are there also aspects where besides skills that companies should also try to look at in order to make it a much more well-rounded approach to hiring Gen Z? At the end of the day, one of the, the, the interesting thing that I think uh, companies can start to look at as well is really how do they uh, articulate their corporate values into the work that they do. I think probably the big MNCs does this very well, but I think uh, maybe for the up and coming SMEs and Gen Zs actually value a lot. Um, so, you know, when, especially for B2B companies that, you know, maybe Gen Zs are not really very much in touch with, uh, how do you then translate your, your corporate values or the values that you promise to customers? internally right within your team as well and how do you then embed it within the whole hiring process because i think a lot of time when you are looking to hire a, a gen z kind of like talent right the, the first touch point usually they'll have is you know with your, your job posting or you know with your social media kind of uh, content and your accounts so how do you then translate you know your values within some of these channels that gen z's are in today um, that would be, I think, one thing that uh, will actually have to appeal to the, the kind of uh, values that, that Gen Z subscribe to and hopefully put the brand of a company in front of them and talk. I think the other thing is also that, you know, what we realized for a lot of Gen Z's is the idea of having ownership and the idea of having, you know, flexible kind of uh, working arrangement. I think this too is something that, you know, we also start to see as uh, an important factor in the way they make their decision about which company or organization they would choose to join. So uh, one, the first being that for a lot of Gen Z's, right, even though they crave kind of connection beyond you know, just digital means, they want to have the flexibility to be able to work from home or to go to the office. So how can, I guess, organization cater to this group of, you know, population would be something that we should bear in mind as well. Um, secondly is the idea of ownership. Um, I think a lot of Gen Zs, um, they want to feel like they're part of an organization of, and, and this is also uh, um, uh, very important in the sense that how do we create meaning 
right, create ownership, the job task or the job role that Gen, the Gen Z is being engaged to do and how that sort of connects with the wider uh, vision of the community or the, the, the clients that the company is serving. And I think that will help keep Gen Z's engaged uh, into, into the company as well. You've been doing this for quite a number of years since starting uh, the company in 2018. How has the platform evolved and moving forward, what do you foresee? I do think that some of the kind of trend that we are seeing in terms of the jobs targeted at Gen Z's, initially it was still very much looking at your generic kind of job posting, right? So like marketing, things like uh, social media content, uh, things like business development, so very, very general skills. Um, but we started to see a trend and concentration towards tech, software skills. I think um, that is also pretty much in line with the kind of talent shortages that the world will see. And I think moving forward, we, we are also starting to see bit of people they're hiring for, for tech talent, but with no experience. So they're okay to take in people with little experience, are willing to uh, spend time or they are eager and hungry to learn to pick up that skill. Uh, so that's why when we just speak with uh, recruiters and campus recruiters themselves, one of the key traits or the key few traits that they look for are, you know, in general soft skills. So whether this person are resilient, this person are able to pick up new skills, try challenge status quo. These are the, the, the few kind of skill sets um, recruiters look for at the pre-screening stage. So when, so even if you do not have a lot of working experience or the kind of skill set, proficiency of the skills that they're looking for, as long as they are able to display some of these softwares, they are able to, they are willing to take you on. And I do see that this will grow in importance in terms of looking at soft skills at pre-screening, uh, you know, going into the future. Perhaps we can switch the conversation to the candidate side. For any Gen Z who are stepping into the workforce, knowing there is a gravitation towards skills-based hiring and on assumption that they have done nothing on their resume, no preparation on their portfolio, what are some of the baby steps that you would like to share with them right now? In general, uh, most uh, Gen Zs uh, that are soon to be going to the workforce do have some form of experience, right? And this could, you know, very well just be the, the school project that you're doing, <laughs> right? Or, you know, you're part of a CCA and maybe the publicity director of your CCA. Um, I think a lot of these uh, experiences that Gen Z would have gone through as part of their own upbringing, as part of their own schooling journey, do actually encompasses skill sets that recruiters are looking for. And I think the first step for any of them would definitely be to look and analyze, you know, from the different varied experiences that they have. What kind of skill sets do they have, right? Or have they sort of demonstrated you know, while they're going through that. And then basically matching that across to what specific job posting is looking for. And then when, when you can then see that, oh, maybe for this job post, there are three skills they're looking for. I only have demonstrated two across the different experiences. Then can I then take some time to look at developing that third skill? Or maybe, you know, even uh, deepening, right? The first two skills, by practicing more or finding different experiences that allow me to practice the other two skills. Companies like LinkedIn, uh, World Economic Forum will put out occasionally telling you, oh, these are the top 10 skills people need to have in 2025, 2030. And off the top of my head, some of the items will come to mind, like things like critical thinking, self-initiative, those kind of stuff. How does one actually develop some of these soft skills? Being soft is really, you know, hard to quantify. And I think for, you know, um, anyone or even Gen Zs themselves are looking to develop these aspects. Sometimes it's very difficult. 
because with grass, what it really means. But I think one thing that, you know, worked really well for me and it's really taking down soft skills into something that's more actionable. So when you think about resilience, what are some of the contributing behavioral actions that contribute to being a resilient person? Is it maybe number one could be, and then, and I think when you're able to break down soft skills into small behaviors, then you'll be more aware about this behavior. So when I'm going through a, maybe like a, a project or when I'm going through like a big big assignment and and I'm like, oh, wow, I, I you know forgot to uh, do something and there was this huge thing, difficult uh, roadblock that came up to me. How did you react to that? And the action of then you, oh, okay, okay, it's a set, it's a, it's a roadblock and then I'm going to come back to it. That is already practicing resilience. I think the key challenge for many Gen Zs or even um, people that are going to place is the fact that we are not aware that we are actually practicing these skill sets or these soft skills. Right. So if we are able to have a taxonomy or of sorts to understand that, okay, for every soft skills, these are the contributing behaviors. And, and then you will be more aware that, oh, okay, when I did this on my previous job, or when I was doing this, you know, in, in school, I was actually practicing this set of skills, right? And then, and then when you start to track your habits more and more, uh, you will start to realize that you're practicing different kinds of uh, behaviors of different soft skills. And uh, all of these then adds up into, oh, the entire uh, suite of skill sets that you have to practice. And that's why I always believe that soft skills, leadership, teamwork, they are not uh, very much nature, but nurtured in that sense. And you can actually practice this as a muscle, uh, as a habit forming kind of uh, you know, process, as long as what behaviors contribute to those skill sets. So being aware is important for you to identify where and when are you actually seeing those soft skills without you realizing it? Maybe for your marketing department, you, they may want to consider putting together a cheat sheet or a reference mm -hmm. sheet so that uh, job seekers can easily make reference to to understand where and when they are practicing all those skills. So towards the tail end of our conversation here, uh, what are the future plans for Skillio? What can we expect to see over this and next year? Yeah, so I, I think for us, uh, we, are, we are sort of expanding heavily in terms of building up our next version of our product. So we are actually uh, launching this skill space job board that I was actually talking about earlier and allowing companies to actually easily, you know, upload, you know, their skill space job posting and actually uh, them marketing this to the Gen Z's uh, user base. That we have. Uh, I think uh, moving forward, we do see, you know, uh, that, that, that the war for talent becoming even, even more intense, right? And many more companies will go down earlier into the uh, talent pipeline to try to gain the, the mind share the hearts of the people of the, of the students right? and, and i think that will be something that we hope to then be a part of in the ecosystem to try, try to change the narrative success away from traditional academic grades and all that uh, into something that is more a more of a skills based more uh, a merit-based kind of you know system for people who are interested to find out more about skillio and yourself where can they go to yeah they can go to our website skillio.co, S-K-I-L-I-O dot C-O. Or they can find me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to have a chat over coffee. All this will be added into the show notes. Thank you so much, Felix, for coming onto the show. I wish you all the best in the rest of your journey with Skillio. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.